right, so welcome everyone to this podcast, the Launching Academy podcast. And the reason we are doing this podcast is to help online course creators to improve their skills, to improve their mindset and achieve the results they want. So building a multiple uh, multiple sources of income in their business, a sustainable business. And today we have a very special guest, Erin, and she's going to talk about copywriting. She's an expert in copywriting. She's amazing. She did a, several copies here for us in the agency. So I'm super happy that you're here, Erin. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So Erin, who are you and what do you do? Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. So I am Erin and I run Erin Morris Co. It's a copywriting company for uh, female course creators and coaches. And what I do is I really just help people hone into their uh, unique voice and help them sell out offers and land dream clients with conversion focus and personality packed copy. So Erin, apart from being a copywriter, who are you outside your business? What do you like doing? What are your passions? Who is Erin Morris? <laughs> so I'm actually a full-time traveler. So I started my business, an online business, so that I could work and travel. And now with COVID, having had COVID and it's all clearing up now, so I'm getting ready to get on my first overseas trip. So that would be who I really am. I'm a traveler, I guess. And then when I'm not working, you'll find me hiking or doing yoga, generally just outside in the sunshine. Amazing. When did you start your copywriting business? So around the time of COVID, so prior to COVID, I was working as a travel blogger. And that was also a terrible time for a lot of industries, but definitely traveling was a no-go. And at that point, I'd also been thinking about changing careers anyway, because I really miss that personal connection that I had with clients or working with colleagues. So COVID was a perfect time for me to make that pivot and find something else that I could use my skills from the blogging and digital marketing sphere for something else. And it was really, I tried a few things at the beginning of COVID. And so around 2020 is when I fell into copywriting. I don't even know exactly when because I started off as a virtual assistant and then slowly people kept hiring me for copywriting. And I was like, actually, this is what I love doing. <laughs> wow. Amazing. And I think one question that always comes up every time that we are starting a business, what was your number one challenge when starting your copywriting business? I think like a lot of people, I was trying to speak to everybody. And so I found it hard to find clients because I was like, well, I can help everyone. You know, I've, I know what everyone needs and things. Whereas it wasn't until I really honed in on my niche and just niche down that I was able to find that consistent workload and build a client base of people I like working with, which is female course creators and coaches. Definitely. I, I agree a hundred percent. And I yeah. think you know that, right? You wrote my yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was laughing when I said that because yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, this is something I wrote for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Mm -hmm. So about copywriting. So today you write um, funnels like 
the freebie and then emails leading up to sales, the sales pages. Can you tell us a little bit more on what is the process you take to write a good copy? Like, what are the fundamentals? Where do you start? What what do people need to do? Because some people, when they are starting their business, they are going to do these things by themselves before hiring someone. So what is the process that you take? What is What are the essential steps that you take to write a copy? Absolutely. And with copywriting, I think so many people, they know what their offer is. So then they sit down to write, but there's so much work that goes into copywriting before the writing stage. I would say that copywriting is 80% research and this is how I start all of my projects. So specifically, I always take my clients through their own brand story. And this is a, I read a book from Donald Miller. It's called Building Your Brand Story. So anyone can have a look at this. And I use his framework for all of my clients. So basically what it does is it helps put your client as the hero of your your personal journey and how the problems that they face is or the problems that they are currently facing. And then it puts you, you come along and you're introduced to their world as the guide to help them solve these problems and how they're feeling and what authority you take. And then it's like, what transformation do they come out at the end? But then even before that, there's so much work you have to be doing on your ideal client and just knowing who they are. And this again, takes us back to the niche, right? So if you don't know, if you're not helping one person and you're trying to help the masses, it's going to be really hard to have that copywriting that's speaking directly to your audience. Mm -hmm. And I think as well with niching down, what people think is if they pick one person, it means that they won't be able to help someone else. But really you can actually have a couple of different niches if you really would like to, and then have marketing sprints and So one time you might be speaking to one person and then a second time you can, you'll write that copy, but it's also directed at maybe a second person. Yeah. And when you do this, for you, you were saying that we need to put the client as the hero of the story and we go there as the guide, right? As this person guiding. So when you read a copies, for example, that you didn't write, okay. And what are the things that you notice and you say, mm, this doesn't sound right? And like often um, mistakes that people often make when they are writing a copy. People are trying to solve too many problems because you know your offers and you know how many things it can solve. And it is great when you're further down a sales page to put these in. But initially with the hero section, which is when you first land on a page, what you can see is what we call the hero section. So that's when you provoke curiosity, you talk about who you're helping and who you are. You have to put all of that into that one little section and that one section there, it needs to be solving one main problem. So what is the main problem that your customer has and how are you going to help them? And then I think for me as well, it's also about really bringing up that feeling of the transformation. How are they feeling now? Because marketing is so much more about emotions Mm -hmm. and how people are feeling than the actual logistics and benefits features. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I would definitely say to really, and also I, I don't, I am very much about the ethical marketing. So I don't like, 
and I know it's a personal thing, but I think more people now are moving into that. No one wants to be sold to, so you want to serve your audience. So it's not about putting them down, but it's about empowering them and bringing them up as opposed to saying, you know, you've got this issue, you need my product. You can be like, are you feeling these things? I can help you feel this way or transform you into this other person. And it's a much softer way and it doesn't sound icky and salesy. Mm -hmm. And neither aggressive, which is, I think, and it's interesting that you're bringing this because I think in the past people thought that they needed to put people down in order to go there and sell. And this, Mm -hmm. this is an assumption that most course creators make that their audience is immature, that they don't have like a, a bunch of beliefs and ideas and, and, and experiences like a little bag they, that they carry. It's their lives. It's almost like they are talking to a baby and trying to convince the baby to sell where it's, they are humans, people with experiences with them, logical. They think they, they understand what they are doing. So I think this, this makes us go one step forward and really um, respect the audience that is buying from us, isn't it? Absolutely. I like that you say respect because that is it. It's when you can show respect to your potential clients, they're going to have so much more trust and build that authority quicker with you. Mm-hmm. And what do you define as authority? To me, authority would be showing that you are an expert in your field. You are one of the go-to people. And that's how a sales page can really help also take back time. So a lot of people focus on selling on their, like through social media and the DMs, which is a great way to sell for sure. But when you do become busier, you can direct people to your websites and your sales pages, and that will really bring back more time. And if you're able to build that authority through your, uh, like a well-written sales page, then you actually can make the sale on the page as opposed to spending Mm -hmm. more time on sales calls or responding back to the same messages over and over. So we talked about that also you said in the beginning of the call that we show them this is how you're feeling, this is the transformation we are going to have. And I see that many people focus on the offer. So this is what you're going to have inside instead of the transformation. How do you make, when you are in the part of the research of your copies, how do you make the transformation as clear as possible? What are the elements in this research that people can do to help them identify this one single element of transformation? So how I like to look at it is there's always the question, what does your customer think is their problem? as to oppose, as opposed to what you know is the problem. Mm-hmm. And a great way to go about this is with market research is if you have clients that you've worked with in the past, if you interview them and just record the call, have a quick questions about, you know, what they were struggling with, what do they think their problems were, how are they feeling now? And you can pull out some key vocabulary as well, key pieces of information to find what they thought their problem was. Generally, you'll know what it is, but so if you have a client who isn't getting enough leads in their business and they think the problem is that they're not posting enough on social media, whereas you know the problem is actually 
they're not adding calls to action or they don't have a strategy behind it. If you only talk to their problem as you need a strategy, your client Mm -hmm. isn't going to listen because they think that their problem is that they're not getting leads. So what you really have to do with that writing process is turn it around so that you can say, you know, are you not, do you feel like you're not getting enough leads in your business? This is the problem I can see that you're facing. And then the solution is, and then this is when you can start introducing your product and how you do things, but you still need to keep in mind what your customer thinks is the problem. Yeah, that's very interesting. And then I think that also takes us into, so there's four levels of awareness that your customer might be at. Mm -hmm. They're either unaware. So this is unaware of their problem, any sorts of solution or your product. So they're the hardest people to market to because they've got no idea at all. And then you've got problem aware so that they know that they have a problem, but they don't know what the problem, the solution is to that problem. And this is where most people sit with their their products and their marketing. And then from there you have solution aware so that they know they have a problem. They know what the solution is, but they don't know how to solve that solution Mm -hmm. or the solution. uh, And then you've got product aware, which is they know about you and you just need to make that sale. Mm -hmm. So this is another part that you can add to that headline in the hero section. You really need to know, what the problem is they're facing, what their understanding and awareness is of that level of their problem and solution. Mm-hmm. And then you can start marketing through that. In, in this four levels of awareness, do you say that, for example, we need to choose one of those levels or can we play with them all in one copy? So generally an offer that your or your ideal market, they will be sitting in one or two. So you won't be really marketing to unaware all the way down to product aware. Yeah. So I would definitely, it's easier if you can pick one, like try and find where your audience sits in because that way you can have a headline that's really direct to that one person. Mm -hmm. Another way to look at this though, is if you have potentially are offering Facebook ads to more of a colder audience and they might be more of just like a problem where they know that they've got a problem, but they don't know what that solution is. You could actually have two separate sales pages Mm. and most uh, sales page software, they will allow you to duplicate it. So Mm -hmm. it's actually quite easy. You make one, one sales page duplicate, and then you can change the headline that speaks directly to that problem aware person versus a solution aware person. Mm. If then your warmer audience might, you, because you've been warming them up through social media and things like that, if they're coming via social media, direct them to the solution aware headline sales page versus Facebook ads, which might be a colder audience. If you haven't done any of that warming up and you're really just targeting their pain point and their problem, yeah. send them to a separate pa- sales page. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I noticed that in your copies, um, you have this tone of a friendship. I'm, I'm talking to a friend when I'm reading the copy, right? Why do yeah. you choose that? What is the approach in here? Is there any explanation that you take or why is that? Personally, for me, that's just like one of my styles. Like that's the clients that I like to work with have less of that corporate tone, more of that friendly, kind vibe. Mm-hmm. Like the values are more like, 
we're on par with each other. And again, it goes back to that. I think not that corporate is less ethical, but it's more just that conversational friendship tone. So that's, I guess, more of a personal, how I like to write and the clients that I'm a, that attract are attracted to me like that style of writing, whereas mm-hmm. someone who wants it to be more like corporate professional would go with a different copywriter. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really nice because you read it and it it's funny and it's it's light. So in the end, but at the same time, yeah, it's the answer is there. So it's very interesting. Absolutely. And I think it does definitely does talk about I think as well, it's way more enjoyable to read something like if you read a message from a friend as opposed to a like an essay, you're going to enjoy reading the the letter from a friend more, right? So mm-hmm. it, it is definitely a bit of a selling tactic as well, but some businesses just like that's not their style yeah. <laughs> and it will never be. <laughs> definitely. And when you were talking about the authority, I'm, I'm coming back to this point because I received this question right like quite often so i wanted to to understand your point of view how can a how can a professional show the their authority in this different way like in this without being aggressive or without having to minimize other people how how can they show that what are the elements that make someone an authority in their niche what are the elements that really, when someone read it, is, is it their story? Is it their credentials? Where, where is it? Where is this authority sitting? How, how can we make our customers start perceiving us as an authority? Yeah, it's a great question. And this is something you can just sprinkle throughout your entire sales copy. And it comes back again to just understanding what your target market wants, because when they feel seen and heard, then this is when they think of you as an authority. So for example, when you know what their problem is and you're able to really list like how they're feeling because of this problem, like what are the negative feelings? They'll be like, Oh my gosh, like, yes. That is me. She must know. Like she's got this authority to know how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And then when you can be like, well, did you want to feel like this? And you're there like, oh my gosh, yes, that's exactly me. And so it goes through like the first part of the sales page is also, is more so about capturing that emotional feeling. So we mentioned this a little bit before. It's mm-hmm. really just grabbing their attention and think wanting the authority then comes on that feeling like do they understand do they get me Mm -hmm. and then when you head further down the sales page so I like to do your problem the solution and what this can mean for them under the headline and then you introduce the problem uh sorry your product so you haven't even introduced the product until halfway down the sales page and then you start talking about your actual offer. And then this is when you get into the more logistical side of like your features, your benefits and the benefits to the person will also build authority. Then when you sprinkle in things like testimonials or have you been featured in other articles or on who you've worked with, big clients, things like that, this then also builds your authority authority because people can see, oh, She's done this for other people and look at these results. Yeah, definitely. 
What and then also you can, oh, sorry. I was going to say, you can also add in your credentials and things. But I think people are less concerned now about your credentials and more about, can they help me get this transformation I'm seeking? And mm-hmm. do we connect on a personal level? Mm-hmm. I think that's so important as well. Yeah, definitely. What about objections? What are the main objections you see that people have when going to buy um, a product or a service and why they don't buy something? What are the reasons and how do you break these objections? I love that you said this because I just did a social media post on this. I don't even know if I've released it yet. It might be coming out next week. But so other than price and price is something that some people are just cannot afford your product. Like that's just them. So other than price, the main objection is time. Like I don't have the time to go through this. So your marketing has to show them that like, why should it be a priority? Why is this something that they need now? And this is when urgency and scarcity comes into your marketing. It's, well, what is, if you don't have, there could be a limited time offer, maybe your price is going to go up. Do you launch your course every just once a year? Things like this is why you can make sure them it's a priority now. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't have these things, which a lot of people don't, like they might launch every month or the price stays the same forever. Then you can talk about the opportunity cost of them not investing. So if they don't invest, what will their life be like? Like they're going to stay the same way. You can talk go a bit deeper into that. And then also if they do invest, who will they become? Like what transformation are they going to see? And again, we go back to the re- the avatar research. Yeah, exactly. Everything. And this is why marketing is 80%. I mean, sorry, copywriting is 80% marketing and research. hundred <laughs> percent strategy is the same thing because if we don't know this really like visceral pain that they have or the desire how can we make this urgent or show that they really need that opportunity exactly mm-hmm. and it definitely it comes with the more you launch your product the more you're going to understand this because you can actually talk to people who did buy and people who didn't buy like if you knew there were people on the fence it's a really good idea to have surveys with them or see if you can jump on a call and just chat to people like why and it doesn't have to be anything like serious it can be just a Mm -hmm. quick conversation even if it's just in your dms but just ask some questions and see if people will answer you and it you can even offer like five dollar gift cards for starbucks to really get that market research if you want Mm -hmm. to offer that incentive a hundred percent yes always listening to them because I, th- I think, and you might, I think you're going to agree with me in this, but I see because when we decide to teach something or to help someone or to coach someone, it means that somehow we overcame that issue or we know a little bit more about this issue. So it's almost like we are one step forward in that specific area, of course. So it's really hard for course creators or coaches to get one step back and really feel and understand that person. For example, um, if we're selling, I don't know, invest in, in stocks and it's 
and we say, oh, it's, it's safe, it's easy, it's, you know, you shouldn't be afraid. But if we go back when we started, we were afraid. We, like, it was hard. So instead of using that language, why not use, yep, it is scary, it is this, it is that, but mm -hmm. this is how you can do it. So I think it's all about, like, going back to the human being and understanding this is what they are feeling to break the objections, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes when you've been doing it for so long, it can be really hard to remember how you did feel at the beginning, which again, brings you back to like why it's so important to talk to your customers and just to remember what that was, or even just take notes, always be mm -hmm. writing down like where you are in your journey so that you can look back on that and see, oh, that's right. I was feeling this. And then it makes your marketing a little bit easier because it does come from that personal space. And I'm not good at this myself, but I always would like this <laughs> to be like writing things down about where I'm at. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. All right. So now we covered um, the sales page. What about the, the emails? How should the emails look like? Do people open emails? Like how do we make them open the emails? What do you think about this? So I guess people get, most people have so many emails that come through their inbox every day that they don't see them. So you might think that you're actually emailing like once a day is too frequent, but if they're getting a hundred plus emails a day, it's so easy to miss. And then this is why as well, you do want that catchy subject line because if they're quickly scrolling through, if it's something that's either very curious or it's very direct, like you're speaking to them, it's going to catch their eye while they're scrolling, right? Mm. And this is also why I like to put emojis in subject lines because I think when you do a quick scroll through, not a lot of emails have these em have emojis yet. Like there'll be a few, but I still yeah. think it's quite a rare thing to add them. But I know it's it stands out when I look at my subject lines. Yeah. That you can see these emojis. So it does... It's almost like when you're on Instagram, right? And you're scrolling and something stops your attention, grabs your attention. Yes. Think of subject lines like that in a mailbox. It's hard for me to imagine this because I'm very much an inbox zero person. <laughs> and I don't know if other people listening here might be too. So be, but you have to remember that that isn't everybody. Yeah. Some people do just subscribe to lots of things. And then a way to make sure when you've got the, the spam and then your primary inbox or not spam, but like that promotional tab in Gmail. Mm -hmm. If you, when you send your first emails, so your welcome sequence roughly gets opened 50% of the emails you send out as opposed to a, like after that welcome sequence, your regular email open rate would be around 33% on average. Mm -hmm. So in that welcome sequence, a really good thing to write is, either to get them to move you into their primary tab, add them to their, get them to add you to your contacts, or if they reply to you, that instantly puts them into that primary tab as well. So I really like to just ask very direct questions, something that's not yes or no, but also quite easy for them to reply to. So it's open-ended and easy. Mm. And then that means that they will be more likely to see your emails that come through in the future. Wow. And do the landing page of a freebie changes too much from a sales page in terms of it's, the process of writing? Mm -hmm. 
I think it's just a because of the price being a freebie to a paid product, you don't need as much information. People don't need to be sold because they just, you still need to add why it's going to benefit them. But as opposed to having introducing the product halfway down, you can introduce the product at the top, but still it's just a very condensed version, I would say, because they don't need to read and no one wants to read three pages of information to get a freebie. Yeah. They'd rather just pop their email in and be like, okay, here it is. I can get it right now. Yeah, perfect. Erin, mm-hmm. if you could give five tips for someone, a course creator or a coach that are either starting their business or scaling it, they want to reach the next level of income, what would these tips be like? So number one will definitely be to tap into that ideal client and just do all of the research you can on them. Uh, I have a, a resource which has my five tips to skyrocket your sales. So I can actually add that, send that to you, Manu. Yeah. You can add that to your show notes because that has a link to that template for the brand story that I use for everyone. And it's also got a bit more information about how to tap into that ideal client. And then you also just really want to be as clear and concise as possible. I know people want to sound like really clever and cheeky sometimes. And if you can be clever and cheeky and be clear, then go for it. But if you're choosing between being clear or having something creative, go for the clear option. Uh People need to know exactly what you're saying. And then also if you can say it in one sentence as opposed to 10 sentence, say it in one. Mm. The less words is always better because you can keep people's attention. And then ask for the sale. Too many people are afraid to ask for that sell. And this is where conversion copy is very different to other copywriting because you actually can use links on that on your sales page, on your websites, social media, wherever, but you need to ask. If you don't ask, people don't know to take action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big, big one. Yeah, definitely. I read some statistic the other day and it was, I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like 75% of small businesses don't have a call to action on their homepage. Wow. It was so high. That just blew my mind. It was like, so make sure you're asking for the sale (laughs) and then I mm. I think having a copy like a sales copy or will help these people because I know that many people have this blockage with sales which we have been covering here throughout this podcast too but sometimes having a copy when someone else is wrote for you or you go there you write it will really help because it just say okay yeah have a look here and the copy will do their job, this mm-hmm. job of selling, isn't it? Yeah. And that actually brings me into my fourth point. I was going to say that um, you have to be like, true to yourself as well. And rather than thinking of if you don't want to be salesy, think of yourself as serving. You've generally started your business because you want to help people. Mm. You aren't selling a product but you're serving them. You are offering your services to make, and again, bringing people up. We're empowering them to improve their lives in some way. 
So I think that really helps when you have that mindset shift as, okay, it's not a gross sale. Mm. Selling is part of business and you are here to help them. You're not a, a icky car salesman. You are selling your product that's going to help them grow their business, make more money, like lose weight, like whatever it is that you do, it's because you love it and actually want to help. Mm. I don't think any entrepreneurs are in business because they don't like what they do. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Wow. Yeah. Totally. Mm, believing in yourself and in your product, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And then I guess another tip would be, I don't I've lost count of how many I'm at at the moment, <laughs> but another tip would be what I like to do as well when I start work with a client is just understand that their voice, their voice. And when you're writing for yourself, this isn't as important, but sometimes you can forget when you're writing sales copy to sound like you and you find it difficult to get out the words. So it is helpful even when you are doing your own copy to just go back through all of the social media posts you've written, sometimes even just text messages to friends. But how do you speak? What words do you use? Do you have common phrases? And put them on a document and then throughout your sales copy, reference that document, like where can you add in words that you use frequently to just it brings out your voice. And then this is again, my style of that personality pack copy. It's just, Oh, this is who I am. And I've thrown it into my sales page. So it doesn't look so corporate boring. It's got that personality. And also doesn't look uh, dissonant from your other movements. Let's say you're doing a social media post or sending a DM to someone Mm -hmm. and you're using a style but then they go to your sales page and it's completely different. It gives a, this impression of something's not right in here. Exactly. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. You will lose people very quickly when that happens as well. And I know that's a big thing with Facebook ads. When you're running an ad, if you go from the ad to then click on a sales page and it's got a different headline or it's speaking to a slightly different person, that's a really quick way to lose people. So yeah, yeah just matching up that vocabulary, staying cohesive throughout all of your platforms. Mm. And to start finishing our call, this podcast, what if someone is almost giving up or you, you know that as entrepreneurs, we have this up and ups and downs, what do you do when you have these down moments? And what would you say to someone that, you know, is trying so hard to achieve a result or is in fact achieving something but wants to go to the next level so they are not really believing in themselves anymore? What would you say to them? It's hard because entrepreneurship is such a roller coaster. I think every one of us can agree. We've had those terrible days where we're ready to throw in the towel. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) But I think the way I overcome those days is I have a really great support network of just other entrepreneurs, people that I've even just connected through social media. I haven't met most of them in person, but there's a few that I feel very comfortable reaching out to. And I will let them know. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And they can see things in a different perspective. So they really just bring me back to like my reality check. I was like, well, is it really that bad? Like maybe just wait till tomorrow. (laughs) Yes, I love that. I think the support network is really good. And that's something I've loved so much about this female entrepreneurial network is it's so 
I truly believe everyone is here to bring everyone up. Everyone's so supportive. Even other copywriters I meet who we have the same ideal clients, I never feel like I'm in a space of scarcity with them. We are always, oh, this client wasn't right for me. Here's a here's this job. Maybe it'll be right for you. It's everyone is just so welcoming. And and it is really hard when you work from home because you don't necessarily like your personal network of friends probably don't know anything about that entrepreneurial space. So it can mm-hmm. be really lonely and you do have those bad days. I think it's just about learning to lean on other people in a different way that you may have never done before. Perfect. And what, and to finish this call, two last questions. First of all, what is your why? Why are you here? Why, why are you doing what you're doing? <laughs> So it definitely started as a very like a selfish thing. Like I wanted to work and travel. What job can I do online? And then the more I started working with female course creators and coaches, it was just, I loved seeing the impact that they provide to the world. So now I love being able to help them showcase their copy or showcase their offers and just be able to stand out from very similar markets because it is so crowded. So Yeah, I I love seeing that transition that I've gone through because most people probably don't go into business as like, I mean, I shouldn't say as helping others because we all want to help other people, but (laughs) I think your why does transition. Yeah, Mm. definitely, definitely. Where can people find you? Uh, So my website is erinmorris.co and Instagram is exactly the same and that's where I'm hanging out. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming. I love it. Oh, thank you so much. It was really lovely being here. Great value. A lot of value here. Thank you, Erin. Thank you, everyone that watched. And we'll be back soon with more content.